my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. This is an unusual day on our show because it is the 16th anniversary of the brutal terrorist attacks visited upon us on September 11-01, and we are still in the midst of Hurricane Irma, which has caused much less destruction across Florida than feared, but still quite a bit for people to deal with over the next many days. Uh, We will answer your questions about issues involving either Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Irma if you are in either of the affected areas. And I actually have been called up. I'm a member of my state guard. I had duty this past weekend as we prepared our plans for contingency in the event we're called upon to serve people in the areas affected by Irma. And if I am called up and deployed, I will obviously not be here the next couple of days and we'll keep you posted. The weird thing about that is that I'm in my state guard because I was so upset and uh, furious about the terrorist attack 16 years ago. I wanted a way to make a difference and I found out about the state guard. I joined it. We are embedded with the National Guard and it has been my pleasure and duty to be ready to serve over these 16 years and I joined because of the terrorist attack. The duty I've had over all 16 years has been always related to natural disasters, including this one. Now, we had a man-made disaster that became known last week, and that was the absolutely unbelievable, careless breach of Equifax, where criminals were able to break into Equifax's system and steal enough information on nearly two-thirds of American adults, 143 million people, nearly two-thirds of American adults who have credit files, I should say, that they have the ability for the rest of your life to engage in wholesale identity theft. Name, address current, prior addresses, social security number, and in addition to that, They have, in many cases, your driver's license number and birth date on everyone, and for many people, credit card numbers as well. This is as nasty a data breach as in the history of the modern era. Equifax's response to this has been pathetic. The statement issued, the video released by the CEO, never referred to you and me as customers, and that's one of the most important things about this. We are just fodder. We are just files that are packaged, dossiers that are sliced up and sold again and again to their real customers, which are the businesses that spy on you and me without our permission. Now, to add insult to injury, Equifax's systems have crashed repeatedly, have provided inaccurate information. Equifax had put in their offer, their joke, the one year of free credit monitoring. What a waste anyway that if you signed up for it, you gave up any right to any compensation for the harm that Equifax brought your way. After much uproar, they yesterday changed the terms of service where if you do sign up for their worthless credit monitoring, you will still have the ability to be part of a suit for the harm that you suffer. But the real way you protect yourself is a one-two punch. And it's not going to be fail-safe protection. 
But the first thing you do is go to creditkarma.com and set up free credit monitoring for yourself. You're able to monitor your credit scores with two of the three bureaus, monitor what's happening with your reports. You'll get alerts if there's any issue with anyone poking around your credit. And once you've set that up and that's completely free, then pay some money for credit freeze. I hope as the lawsuits come up with Equifax that one of the things that they are forced to do is reimburse all of us for the cost of credit freezes and thaws that we need to do for the rest of our lives. Because this is of Equifax's making, Equifax's fault, Equifax's carelessness, and a credit freeze, which I have a guide at Clark.com that walks you through step by step, is the absolute best way for you to protect yourself going forward. And we have had hundreds of posts of questions about this. So we figured the most efficient way to handle this is producer Kim is going to ask questions that you have posted on Ask Clark. And Kim, go right ahead. What you got? I'm going to try to start out with um, some of the ones that we got more than any other ones. And with a lot of people that listen to you, a lot of people's credit was already frozen. So one question that I saw more than anything else was, my credit's already frozen. Does that mean that my credit freeze pin was part of the hack? Credit freeze pins, as far as I know to this moment, this is a question that's come up a lot, are not at risk, except there's now information out there that Equifax used an ultra-lazy method of setting up pins, that the difficulty of a criminal hacking in, if they specifically look to unlock pins, is so easy, apparently my 12-year-old son could hack in. So Equifax is scrambling to write new code, and you're going to be sent an opportunity in the near future to change your pin to one that will be much harder to crack, and Equifax has not made it clear if that's going to be a mandatory process or voluntary. They're doing this by the seat of their pants. But I will advise you when you should actually respond to that. Be careful because there will be fake emails pretending to be Equifax trying to get you to disclose your pen. I'm going to tell you the right way to do it once the procedure is clear. Okay, I went ahead and I froze my account. Do I need to freeze a spouse's account? Uh, well, it depends on how much you love your spouse. <laughs> if you love your spouse, you definitely want to freeze your spouse's credit. But again, set up a Credit Karma dashboard first, because once your credit's frozen, you can't. So do that first, and then you want to set up the credit freeze on your spouse. Can I still build credit when my accounts are frozen? So great question. So what happens with a credit freeze is that the credit you have already works just as it did before. But when you wish to apply for new credit, you are going to consider changing insurance companies. You want to get a satellite dish. You want to get new cell phone service, anything like that. You'll have to put a temporary thaw in place because all those things are considered to be the equivalent of new applications of credit. And I have had my credit frozen for, I guess, more than a decade and over the years, I probably had to thaw my credit half a dozen times. As long as you don't lose your secret codes, thawing your credit is very easy. It's a no-brainer. And I should say that credit freezes, depending on the state you live in, cost from $0 to put in place to as much as 10 And 
That's 10 per bureau to as little as zero per bureau. What was with the $3 fee that people thought was being waived, and is it actually being waived? Equifax said they were waiving the cost of credit freeze, but then didn't follow through. And that's going to be one of those areas the lawyers are going to have to get involved in, and Equifax will almost certainly be doing refunds for the $3 that they have swiped from people. If you think about this, how awful is this that Equifax is at fault here, and then they punish you and make you pay to deal with their mistake? Do I even need to check to see if I was affected? I heard that you could put in pretty much anyone's name and social and it'll say yes. Yeah, so the Equifax process of verifying whether or not you were part of the $143 million is so fraught with stupidity that don't even bother. Know that at some point all of us end up being part of data breaches. So just go ahead and take the two steps I mentioned proactively. It's the best way for you to be able to sleep peacefully. Speaking of extra steps, at this point, should I even enroll in their credit protection? Don't enroll in Equifax's piece of trash credit. I hate the word protection. Don't enroll in any credit monitoring program other than the free one at Credit Karma. Do not pay money for this. Now remember, Equifax has caused a lifelong problem for all of us. And in their arrogance, they're only providing protection for one year. And protection is such a silly word. They're offering something that's like the equivalent of a burglar alarm that alerts you after the burglar has already broken in your house. Credit freeze prevents the burglary. What about signing up for fraud alerts? Fraud alerts are a joke. Don't bother with those either. Let me tell you, the thing with the credit bureaus pushing the credit monitoring is they make money on it. The thing with the fraud alerts is if you go to the next step, the credit freeze, you shut down, choke off the credit bureau's ability to build the dossiers on you that they sell to anybody who will pay them money. So that's why they make credit freeze a secret and they make it more difficult to do. Fraud alerts are basically window dressing. I wouldn't fool with that at all. Do the credit freeze. I am the man from credit freeze for a reason. Am I now at a higher risk for tax fraud and should I enroll in the IRS's PIN program? Yes, the there is an enhanced risk next tax season of tax fraud where people file returns for big refunds as if they're you. Yes, the IRS has been very successful with the PIN program where your return is not accepted till you put in your unique secret code with the IRS, and the IRS hopefully will have that expanded by next tax season because of the Equifax data breach. And I want you to know this is not the end of the conversation. We will continue to address this at Clark.com, and we will continue to answer your questions as the weeks go on right here on the Clark Howard Show. And coming straight ahead, I viciously attacked Congressman Loudermilk, who had put in a bill in the U.S. House that there were ironically hearings for last week that would give the credit bureaus exemption from punitive damages for negligence. And he's going to be on the air to address that with me next. Last week, I just absolutely lost my temper about Equifax, their carelessness, the number of consumers that have been harmed beyond belief. And on top of it, 
Equifax knew about the data breach that exposed 143 million adults' information to the point that they are subject to identity theft the rest of their lives, Equifax has completely botched the response. And in the midst of all that, there had just been hearings in Congress earlier this week on a bill from uh, Congressman Barry Loudermilk that would allow Equifax to be exempt from punitive damages in the event that they did something that harmed consumers. And I went ballistic and blasted Congressman Loudermilk. And as I said at the time, I wanted to give the congressman an opportunity to respond. And you are with me now, Congressman Loudermilk. And you could not have had worse timing having a hearing on this in the midst of this huge disclosure from Equifax, the worst data breach in the history of modern America. It was totally a coincidental issue. The, the bill, really, it was not driven by Equifax or, or anybody else. In fact, the bill, we began working on real early in the year and working with attorneys, with uh, various industries and businesses. The purpose of the bill was to try to curb some of the frivolous lawsuits where consumers rarely get just compensation, but the attorneys walk away with millions of dollars. One of the areas we looked at was just bringing the Fair Credit Reporting Act laws in line with the six other financial services laws that have these same type of caps on there. Congressman, the problem with that, yeah. on my end, is that everybody else is somebody we as consumers choose to do business with. But the credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian, build these dossiers on us, and we in the United States are not given the ability, like people in Europe are, the right to be forgotten. We can choose, and if we were Europeans, to say, you're not going to have a dossier on us. There's not going to be anything that we'd have to worry about hackers. And so Equifax, TransUnion, Experian collect all this data on us. They package it. They sell it off over and over again, not for our benefit, but for other companies' benefits. And Equifax, TransUnion, Experian just print money on our information and we don't have any ability to do anything about it. And now, two-thirds of American adults, approximately, are subject to identity theft the rest of their lives. Yeah, I agree with you on all those points. That's why we were very carefully moving. This bill wasn't being ramrodded through. Uh, we introduced it back in May. Didn't even get its first hearing until um, just last week. It happened to be the day that the information came out about the uh, Equifax data breach, which immediately we halted any further consideration on it because part of these hearings is to tweak this. Now, this bill has bipartisan support. There are many Democrats and Republicans. But I agree with you on Equifax, and one of the things that, that we're doing, we're launching an investigation. I want to know, why did it take them so long to notify that they've had a data breach? I've led some uh, cybersecurity investigations. I have an IT background. So the first question is, this thing started back in May and I guess went through June. Why are the consumers just now finding out that their data has been breached? And we're, we're, we have been, and we're going to accelerate legislation on putting time frames and requirements on companies to notify Well, no one disagrees about yeah. the silliness of the class action lawsuits where consumers get four cents and the lawyers get four million. But Exactly. But as far as this blanket exemption for the credit bureaus from punitive damages for negligence, that's not going anywhere for now. Is that right? That's right. I said, let's hold off on this because we'll make sure that 
Like I said, Equifax was not even really a part of our conversation on this. Congressman, the funny thing about it, you know, it's it's for the credit bureaus principally and the others secondarily, the FCRA, which is Fair Credit Reporting Act, Liability Act. But the thing is, is that no consumer organization is in favor of this at all, that it's all industry players that want to take away consumers' rights. And that's why I'm so glad that that this is on hold for now, and I hope that's just where it goes to have a very quiet death. Congressman, thank you so much for appearing here, and I'll tell you, the credit bureaus have been a thorn in my side for 30 years that I've been on the air because of what they do to consumers, and I appreciate you sharing this opportunity with me, and when the hearings come up about Equifax, I'm going to be making a lot of noise. It's my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main web address. And you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. People have been really making use of that in the aftermath of so many things, like last half hour, we're talking about the terrible, terrible effects of the Equifax data breach, which is going to be a lifelong burden on pretty much every American adult. And then this half hour, I want to talk about the effects of the hurricanes back to back. The first time, uh, what I heard, the first time in recorded history that Category 4s hit U.S. shores back-to-back with Harvey and then also with Irma. And the people that are in Texas are dealing with incredible hardship. I mean, just absolutely horrendous. 82% of the people who have homes that have been damaged or destroyed are uninsured. Not that they don't have insurance, but they had no insurance that would cover rising water levels, i.e. flood insurance. And so this is an unfolding financial disaster. If you're listening to me and you're one of the people who has suffered a complete body blow from Harvey, I want to tell you that having been involved in talking to people who suffered in tragic natural disasters like the one that hit Joplin, Missouri, the horrific EF5 tornado that hit Joplin caused so much loss of life and destruction like you can't imagine, like a mile-wide lawnmower sucked up everything in its path for 12 miles. And people felt beyond hopeless and frustrated in the aftermath. And now, as people have moved from fear to frustration with Harvey, there's also the creeping in sense of hopelessness. And you want everything in your life back like it was right away. And fortunately for Floridians, most of Florida suffered much less of a blow than was originally expected from Irma. But the reality is there are a lot of people who have to deal with damage and may have claims that are only partially insured or not at all. And I want you to know 
that we as humans are stronger than we realize. And even though at the time it seems impossible, if you go visit New Orleans or you go visit southern Mississippi and you see the recovery that no one could have envisioned when Katrina hit 12 years ago, you will be nothing other than impressed with what results over time as people overcome adversity. The EF5 tornado that hit Joplin, if I remember right, was eight years ago now. I'm trying to remember the exact time. I think it was 09. Eight, no, was it 10? Anyway, Joel, can you look that up for me? The recovery in Joplin, 11, 20. So they've done all that recovery in six years? It's amazing. A lot of Joplin came back better than it was before. A phenomenal recovery. So I know it's hard and harsh for people who will return to Florida over the next several days. Remember, go with a full tank. When your tank hits half on the way back to Florida, fill up again. And know that hotels are going to be at a super premium. This is a time you should be looking at Airbnb and VRBO as it's the off-season in Florida. There are a lot of people who rent their properties during the off-season, and you have an opportunity where you might not in a hotel of having a place to stay. But make sure that electricity is on at the place you're going to rent. You don't want to rent a place that doesn't have electricity. A couple of more things I wanted to say about that is that this is true in both Texas and Louisiana from Harvey, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, potentially Tennessee, where you have to put things back together with your home or whatever. You want everything back like it was instantly. And that makes you subject to being taken advantage of by the con artists that pour in like locusts after a storm. All they need is a pickup truck and a sign on the side of the truck to pretend they're a contractor. They're known as travelers, the people that come in, not anything to traveler's insurance. It's just a term for the scam artists, travelers. And you need to take your time, check references. I know that seems weird. And particularly in Florida, there's a big shortage of people that can do construction and repair because the uh, residential and commercial markets for construction have been so strong they were already begging for workers before the hurricane so finding people to get work done is going to be a real task take your time on that task i want to talk about energy now a lot of places in the country particularly those up the eastern seaboard have seen a gas price rise of about 80 cents at retail from what gas prices were before Harvey hit. But the prices are likely headed back down from here gradually over the next four weeks to five weeks because the refineries are coming back on, the pipelines are pumping refined gasoline, and it's just a matter of getting supply and demand back in sync and that part of the story is going to steadily ease. Also, people have been able to find fuel 
uh, even at high prices, maybe this station's closed, that station's closed, this one's limiting gas, but people have generally been able to get gasoline outside of the state of Florida where they ran out. And I was very concerned for people who have losses in Florida to their homes that insurers would not be in a position to pay all the claims. Florida has a unique insurance market that is not the most solvent in the world. I was worried about how that would play. But the good news is that because the destruction was far less than feared, insurance insolvency does not look like it's going to be a significant issue. There may be a smaller insurer here or there that does fail, but for the most part, people are going to be able to get their claims paid. Insurance company stocks have been going way up because the losses are much less than was feared originally. So there's good news on that front. So it's not good news all the way around, but things are worse than feared. But if you're somebody who did deal with destruction from either of these hurricanes, I want you to know that that it is something you will get past. And if you are someone who is civic-minded, there are going to be endless opportunities for you to volunteer, to help others in so many different ways. And I think about the inspiring actions of people in Puerto Rico who have been dealing with enough problems on that island uh, that you could imagine and they put together a, a citizens flotilla taking aid to other caribbean islands that did not fare as well as puerto rico did from the hurricane that's what we do as americans and i hope that in this case there will be the scamsters and the con artists and all that come out of the woodwork but this is again a story about the good that resides inside the American people, our national spirit of volunteerism, and do what you can to make a difference. Gavin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gavin. How are you? I'm doing well today. Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. Tell me what's going on with you, Gavin. I just had a question. Um, I had wanted to uh, make a donation to some hurricane relief, and the uh, charity that I wanted to go through gave me the option of donating through credit card or through debit card. And I was wondering which of those is going to have higher processing fees that the charity would have to pay. What a great question. So normally with processing, a debit card would have lower processing costs than a credit card. Although often the way charities take donations online the merchant processing fees will be equivalent, that they will not save money if you donate by debit card instead of credit card. Uh, I've seen on charitable donation sites where they have said that their merchant processing fees for an online credit card donation are around 3%, but less than 1% for a debit card. I'm trying to remember which charity I saw that on. So unless they say on their website that you save them money by doing a debit card, go ahead and use your credit card because you have additional protections making that donation with a credit card if they were ever hacked into or someone intercepted your donation. Okay, and does it matter which uh, credit card provider it is? Makes no difference at all. So you you can give with any card you wish. 
and it is your choice. The wonderful thing is that you are doing a donation. How do you know the particular charity your thing of donating to is efficient and doing a good job and is the real thing? Um, I'm familiar with their work um, as they're a, a faith-based organization. Great. If you if you know uh, them and followed you, up with what they do. If you know them and you know they've done a good job as a faith-based organization, go for it. Are you focusing on Harvey Relief or the latest one, Irma? Well, um, initially when I was uh, preparing to do this, it was Harvey. Um, However, I know that they used most of the available resources that they had for their Harvey Relief. So um, it may just be... uh, straight towards Irma since they they had little left over after their first response. Well, I just appreciate your generosity. You feed right into what I was just talking about, about how generous the American people are. And thank you for being an example of that. And best to you, Gavin, and hope everybody in your family is A-OK and safe. They sure are. You take care. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? Well, I'm great, Clark. How about you? Great. So you are hot under the collar about this massive data breach, and you want to discuss that, don't you? Yes. I was wondering, uh, you know, what what cust- uh, consumers, people can do to prevent uh, all these companies from keeping our personal information forever in these big databases. Well, in the United States, we have no right to what's known as the right to be forgotten. It is considered to be a free market activity, and people traffic in our information all they want. And I don't know if you're aware, there are now these companies that go way beyond what Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian do, in that they build massive databases on us that track us online and offline. That when you go to a a physical store, they know who you are, and are able to mix that data with what they already know about you online. It is really creepy, weird how intrusive it is. And the the Europeans responded to it in a way that nobody's talking about in the United States. So, Jeff, there's a system in Europe where you can put yourself into a database that's basically known as the right to be forgotten. And once you do so... Your information is canned, it's uh, eliminated, and it stays eliminated, and people are prevented from building dossiers on you. So, yeah, that would, yeah, I was wondering if there was something like kind of like the do not call list where you could say, you know, forget my information. So. Well, there's so much money flowing around in trafficking and you're in my personal information that I don't know in a in the current era in Washington where everything is about whoever gives them money has their ear in the Congress, I don't know that we're going to have a right to be forgotten that comes forward. If there was ever a time that would come about, it would be because of the Equifax data breach. And I don't know anybody other than me running my mouth who's talking about having a right to be forgotten. So right now that's where the problem is is that you and I stand in a position where companies we've never heard of are spying on us 24 hours a day, building up these big databases about us, and we have no rights with what they do with that information, how it's used, and what happens if it, in fact, is breached by a criminal who uses it to harm us. 
That's very disappointing. So we got work to do. That's right. So you know what we need to do, Jeff? You and I need to run for Congress and fix this. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. All right. You have a great day. All right. Thank you so much, Clark. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for a special ask, Clark. We were doing questions last half hour about the issues with the data breach, and we got so many hundreds of them, and we got to a few last half hour. Kim, let's see if we can sneak in another one or two. Sure thing. People want to know if they should be freezing the credit of their minor children. So minor children, I don't know yet if minor children were part of the massive data breach. And generally, a minor child should not, in theory, have a credit file. There are direct advantages to freezing a child's credit, which is not legal in all 50 states yet. It's in a majority of states. But children historically have been far more subject to identity theft than adults. And I'm going to give that one a few weeks, if it takes me that long, to really get a sense about whether or not while you're in credit freeze mode, if you should do so for a child also. All right. A lot of questions along this line. If I freeze my credit, will it affect me buying a home, a car, my student loans, et cetera? Uh, Okay. So this is how credit freeze works. You're issued a secret code and that secret code locks you out from applying for credit and more importantly, prevents a crook from applying for credit as if they're you, because they don't know your secret code. What you do with credit freeze is if you're applying for a student loan, you're applying for a mortgage for a home, any of those circumstances, you temporarily thaw your credit, which depending on your state is from $0 to as much as 10 per bureau. Usually with a mortgage, you need to thaw all three. Most things you don't need to. And you thaw it for the period of time you need to get whatever credit it is you're looking to do, and then your credit goes back into the deep freeze. Now, if you were the unluckiest person in the world, an identity thief might strike your credit while it's temporarily thawed, but that's all you have to do to apply for whatever credit you want. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for tuning in to The Clark Howard Show today. And if you're like me, you like deals, we got our deal diggers hard at work at ClarkDeals.com that help you save money day in and day out. We work around the clock to find the best deals for your wallet, and they're on a variety of consumer items. Check out ClarkDeals.com. 